You know, uh, your bars look good. The bars look good. Yeah. Should we go ahead and start recording now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go now. Was it three? One, two. Three. I'm going, going up. Three, three, or down. Mark, last week on Internet Radio. Yes. <laughs> last week on Internet Radio, we discussed uh, youth immersion. Yes, we did. And we talked about what age is an appropriate age for a person to be making an official, contractual, as it were, <laughs> yeah. commitment to Christ to become a Christian. And, and we, we talked about some principles involved uh, in a person's ability to make that decision and whether or not God holds uh, a person accountable. Yep. In that discussion, we encourage you, if, if you have not listened to that yet, uh, prior to listening to this episode, we'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that because the things we're going to talk about today really are the result of that of that discussion. Oh, yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but the conclusion that we came to, and we alluded to it at the very end of, of last time, is that um, th- that put us in a position, both you and I individually, yes. yep. of having to reevaluate our uh-huh. early immersions in, in life. Yep. So, Mark, let's let's go back and talk about yours for a minute. Sure. We need some kind of a harp, um, oh. a harp music. We'll have to add that in later. Okay. This is like the flashback music. Yeah, that's exactly where I came from. You know, that was when, uh, when I was a child, that's the culture that I grew up in, is that when when a kid was old enough to... to, to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be immersed. Whoa, you got that down. Yeah, I had a lot of practice. Okay. But, you know, as soon as, as a kid was old enough to do that, or at least recite those and have a general understanding, man, we figured this kid is prime baptism material. Right. You know, we got to get him in the water right away. While we still can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and my parents did precisely that. So I was 11 years old when, you know, when really that day, when that day came for me and my parents did, and I don't fault them for this, but they did exactly what they thought to be right. And off we headed to the river in order to, in order to be saved and become a Christian. That, that was the, that was the mindset. That was the thought. It wasn't, however, it just didn't turn out positively for me. And, and I think in talking with a lot of other guys who are or have been in the same condition, it wasn't positive for them either. From my own perspective, that really left me in a quandary. I mean, I, I was I was really I was really stuck. Not at first, but as I grew older, I began I began to have some serious doubts hmm. about whether or not my baptism was official, whether or not it, it counted, whether it was valid. Mm-hmm. And those nagging doubts over the course of the next, well, almost 15 years, hmm. really, you know, just continued. It just wouldn't go away. So it left me in this place where I wasn't genuinely confident that I was a Christian. Okay. But I wasn't genuinely confident that I wasn't. And that was worse. Hmm. Because it allowed me, on the one hand, you know, in certain settings, to to play that role and say, "Okay, I've been baptized. I'm a Christian, so yes, sign me up." Right. But on the other hand, it allowed me, in other circumstances, to say, "Well, I'm not. I don't think my commitment was a full-on commitment. I don't know for certain that I'm truly a Christian. So maybe in this sense, maybe today, I won't. I won't recognize that kind of commitment. Isn't that awful? Yeah, that's so. You 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 kind of hid behind that indecision, that doubt. Yeah, in, in a way, at times. Yeah, for me, it was a very, um, it was a very convenient shield to, to hide in both cases. Hmm. 
So depending on depending on where I was or what I wanted at the time, that that became expedient for me. So how did you resolve that? Was there a trigger in life? Was there something that happened that made you think, I, I need to get this thing resolved? Well, I don't know if there was any one particular moment. For me, it was, it was a lot of, I just got tired of the not knowing and the struggling and the kind of gradually coming to the conclusion that I know that my commitment wasn't genuine, not only based on my personal performance, but just in the context of age, I knew in those quiet moments that that didn't take. That there was no way at 11 years old that you had had mentally worked through the decision process, right. the repentance, weighed the cost. You had decided that it was not possible for you to have done that at 11. It wasn't. And okay. still, and I, I say this to my shame, but it still took me a considerable amount of time before I really was ready, even after I'd come to that conclusion personally, to make that commitment, to say, okay, I am ready now to take on those commitments. So there was even some time lag after that. You know, I, you know, pride, I think, played a role because the, uh, the external persona was, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized, this is what's publicly expected of me. You were married? So with, I was. With kids? I was married, uh, did not have any children yet. Okay. But, uh, so but you, you know, had, was you, married at the time. Yeah. So. And when you got married, it was kind of like, you know, Jen thought she was marrying a Christian. <laughs> she, yes, right? she did. Right? You know, and her, her father and mother probably thought they that thought too. They thought that too, right. Okay, so there, there is, there's some pressure there. Yeah. And so for me, that resulted in a little bit of even longer delay, which I'm not proud of, but, but that's, that was the result for me of having been baptized really before I was able to count the cost as an adult. Is it trying to drop me in this limbo state, in this, in this purgatory where, where I'm not really in one, I'm wow, not really just, in the other? Did he just drop purgatory yes, on Yes, I did. And it, and it put me there, and, and it was more difficult to come to that decision from that place than I think it would have been to just know up front in the beginning, listen, you're not. It just created additional unnecessary obstacles for me. Okay. So, but really, you're talking about a two, there was two decisions you had to make. The first was, did, did it, was I really? And, and yeah. you, de- you decided, no, no, I was not. Yeah. But Personally, at, privately, privately, I came to that conclusion first. But the second decision that you had to make, and this actually is the logical next next thought process, is, am I ready now? Y- yes. Do, do I yeah. really, am I, okay. And so at first I'm, I wasn't. Got it. Okay. Interesting. You know, when I was immersed uh, about the same age, and uh-huh. uh, probably similar circumstances as far as upbringing goes, and this isn't you know, not putting anything back on, on our minister or parents or anything, but looking back, um, I didn't have that struggle in the same way. But what I do know is <clears throat> that the years after I was immersed were some of the most rebellious years uh, of my <laughs> life. Okay, so, you know, at 11, I'm saying that I'm marrying Jesus, supposedly, but at 13, I'm wanting to go out with the girls that I shouldn't be going out with, thing, hanging out with the guys I shouldn't yeah. be, and yeah. looking at things I shouldn't look at, and hiding it from my parents, and doing all those things. And and so what ends up happening is, is a, I went through what many would call the normal teenage rebellion years. Sure. 
but I did it as quote a Christian. I'm using air quotes, <laughs> right? Here. And right. there's there's a real conflict there, yeah. Because the scriptures don't give any allowance for oh you've become a Christian oh but you were only this age so it's okay to go and rebel and do all these things because you're a teenager. You're a Christian. teenager. That's different. Yeah. yeah. There's no verse that says that. No, there isn't. And and so. Um, so later in life, uh, I, I had an opportunity to, to bump into, uh, I, I feel blessed uh, to bump into a man named Steve Compton, yeah. who, who has uh, written a, a study on this, who actually, we've borrowed from a lot of Steve's principles and yes. things here, that, um, and we've actually linked that on innermanradio.org. If you go to the top of the page, there's a link to Steve's outline. It's just, a, he's got a very basic outline, but it takes you to that, and, and he, he did a great work, and I tell you what Steve did, he... Steve, I tell you, Steve, he, he was a little sly on this. He says, Jason, I'm working on this. I'm working on this book. And I, could you read this for me? Let me know uh, what you think. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Steve. I'd be happy to give you my uh, expert, expert opinion. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I credit Steve for that because he, he walked through the, the thought process and got me thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It still wasn't until some years later uh-huh. when I had to answer those same two questions. Is Was I really able to count that cost at that age. And looking back, uh, I think my teenage years, the fact that I did uh, act the way I had acted as a teenager and things, Uh I think those actually helped serve me later in life to say, you know what? I obviously hadn't counted the cost. I obviously didn't know because because I lived life as if I wasn't a Christian. And so one of the principles for me was um, was I, I obviously hadn't, but another one was that when I was immersed, um, I don't remember anything being told about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Huh. And there's another set of verses, you know, that, that refers to that. So if, as you're going through Acts, we run into people who were baptized in John's baptism, but were never baptized sure. to receive the Holy Spirit, and they were re-immersed. And so being raised in the, in the church setting that I was raised in, we didn't talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. I wanted to make sure that that was taken care of. Uh, but it, it did create some angst because there was a little bit of public humility here, in yep. you know, because I had kids and a wife and everything and in-laws and all that. It's like, well, you Jason, should have it together. Right. I mean, Jason, yeah. you were already immersed, you know, and there's family members that are thinking, wait a yeah. minute, he was immersed. And I, you know, what are, what are you saying? What are you saying about that time when you were, I had to put all that stuff aside and mm. just say, was I? No, I was not ready. And am I now? Yeah. And... <clears throat> And some thought processes for parents as you're working through this and things too. I mean, one of the things that came back was is is if if I needed parents to guide me through my teenage years and limit my activities and friends and that kind <laughs> right. of thing, yeah. I probably wasn't ready to make the decision for Christ. It sound yeah, you know I think it, it comes down it really comes down to that in our situations. But moms and dads, ministers, it sounds like. You know, it, it would seem like we're helping those kids and we're doing them a favor. That just isn't the case. If anything, by by baptizing kids before they really have become adults, we're we're placing obstacles in front of them, obstacles that, that just they, they don't have to be there. You know, at 10, 11, 12, as kids, our primary our primary drive most of the time in, in those years is to please our parents. Yeah. You know, and we're trying to please our parents. And and that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. Yes. But, you know, you can see the shift when the teenage years hit. All of a sudden, mom and dad are not the most important people 
in those kids' lives anymore. And that's devastating for us parents. When that happens and we see that, it's like, oh, I can't believe it. Did you want to ask me what I thought about that? No, not really. really. But that's a necessary part. We we want the kids to go through that so that that they're making their own decisions. The teenagers, their peers generally, tend to be the people whose opinions matter most to them. And by a lot of those kids at 9, 10, 11 years old, they can't even differentiate between pleasing themselves and pleasing mom and dad. Right. I mean, it's the same in their mind. Right. You know, I'm doing the right thing. I know it's the right thing. And it also makes mom and dad happy. They, I don't think they're mentally capable of really separating those two the way they have to in order to make a, adult decisions. So as a result, Mark, what happens a lot of times is the gospel that we give 10, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds is different than the gospel that we give somebody who's 30. Yeah. Be- because because we speak differently to a 30 year We talk to a 30-year-old about, hey, you know, Bob, you know, if you make this commitment, you're going to have to make some decisions on your relationships here. Yes. You're going to have to make some decisions on your living arrangement here. You're going right. to have to make some decisions on how you're living your life. Yeah. And you what know, we're going to tell your friends and where you're going to go. That's yeah. right. But uh, tell me the last 10-year-old that that conversation was had with. So in in essence, you know, the younger a person's immersed, the cheaper the gospel really is given to them. That's a a great way to describe it because if your biggest sacrifice is Sesame Street, you're not making adult decisions. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Another thing too, Mark, is is that when when a person is immersed early... First of all, going back to the fireman analogy, you, we, yeah. we talked yep. about you, if a kid wants to be a fireman and they come to us and say, hey, I want to be a fireman. We say, that's fantastic. Yeah. But we don't send them out on calls and we don't sign a, have them sign the contract at 12 <laughs> that holds them accountable to all the responsibilities of being a fireman. Yeah, or the waiver of dying. Right. You know? Oh, right. and if you're killed in the line of duty, Junior. Right. So we're not at all putting down the idea of encouraging kids to make decisions in their life. I want to be a Christian. Yeah. What we're talking about is the formal becoming a Christian, being immersed for the forgiveness of their sins, making that commitment and, and saying, this, now I am a Christian. And this is basically signing on the dotted line. Right. Yeah. A lot of that, you know, with kids, when, when they are at that age and they want to do something for the gospel, don't stop them. I mean, don't, don't, uh, don't hold them back from doing that. Find ways, mom and dad, that kids can be involved in the gospel. So if you have a Bible study, well, take the kids along. You know, if that's appropriate in that case, some Bible studies you can do that, others you can't. If it is possible, take them along with you. Show them how it works, you know, get them into that, you know, show them what happens, get their feet wet so they can see that stuff. Let them make sacrifices for the gospel. You know, if uh, if they went out and they earned 20 bucks mowing the lawn, let them make a sacrifice for the gospel. Okay, so let's talk about how do we what principles we're going to use here to spend our money, to right. save our money, to, to share give. our money, to right. give. Let's talk about those things. Those, I mean, kids are perfectly capable of making some of those decisions and commitments at a young age and preparing them. But, you know, just like sometimes parents try to push their kids into too much responsibility at the same time, they often try and shield them from any consequences of responsibility too early. So, oh, well, you know, later when you're a Christian, we'll expect this of you. And yeah. I know that's the flip side of our coin today, but it's, it's a problem nonetheless where they, they try and keep the kids out of those commitments. We don't have to make that sacrifice until you're a Christian. 
And that's counterproductive too. Right. So we're trying to encourage them where they are, step by step. If the kid's at this point, we want to encourage them to make another step. And make another step. And talk about doing this or being involved. You know, sacrificing for people in their congregation is a great positive way for kids to be involved and committed to Christianity in a tangible way. Right. Without dunking them and saying, okay, now you've signed up for all the rights and responsibilities of becoming a Christian. Right. So a person, let's fast forward that 10, 20, 30 years. <laughs> yep. Okay, so so uh, Sally was baptized at 12 years old, yep. and now she's 32. Okay. All right, so what are we going to tell Sally? Well, I think the first thing that I tell Sally is that, Sally, we know how you feel. Yeah. If you if you haven't been there, maybe it's a little bit difficult to, to empathize, but, but if you're caught between those two things, I know what that's like. I mean, I know what it's what it's like to, to go to sleep wondering if you're a Christian or not. And I know I know it's not enjoyable. So if you're Sally, you know, I think the first thing I would tell you, Sally or Sam, I get it. And and I understand what it feels like to be caught between those those two places. What if someone's listening to this, Mark, and they they say, Okay, I was immersed at a young age. But I think I was ready at 12. I think I was ready at 13. Yeah. What would you say in that case? Boy, I think uh, I think one of the first things, you know, some of these we talked about last week. In principle, are they capable of making adult decisions? And I'm going to look to see if they're doing that. Now, that's not that's not mom and dad saying, well, if they had the opportunity to guide their own financial choices they would then they would make the right one right um no 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 or you know if they had the right opportunity to to choose their own entertainment or to choose their own friends then they would make the right decisions i want to see that they are making those decisions that that those decisions are being made by them and being made and being made correctly so first that's what i'd look at secondly if somebody's asking that question you know, spend some time with a 10-year-old. Okay. Find out, you know, find out how a 10-year-old mind works. Now, I know that we were all much more mature. I was. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. absolutely. Right, yeah. Some of the things we talked about, uh, you know, Jesus is 12, and Jesus is not making his own adult decisions at 12. Those are being made for him by his parents. Right. His guardians and managers, the way Galatians chapter 4 puts it in uh, verse 12, until the date set by the father. He's he's under those. And he was fairly mature compared would, to most people. I would, I would say, say above average. Probably. I would say above average. So, yeah, and if, you know, if Jesus is not ready at 12 to, to take on that responsibility, it would be difficult for me to claim that I was. Okay. So that's one thing I would look at. I'd also check and see, you know, if, they're, if they are making adult decisions. If you're in that spot, spend some time with a 10-year-old and see how... You know, see how mature, see how ready for adult responsibilities they are. I think that'll probably solve the problem for you. Okay. So if a person wasn't ready for the responsibility, yeah. and as we talked about in the last episode, God does not hold their sins against them. They're not stacking up against a 12-year-old. Right. Uh, in other words, God's not holding sins against someone who is not able to make a commitment to him. Right. So if that is the case, and a person was immersed before they were held accountable by God, did that immersion do anything? No. And yes. Okay. I mean, I, I hate to hedge the bets here, but as far as their relationship with, with God is concerned, 
in the context of sin or receiving the Holy Spirit, the answer is no. Okay. okay. Nothing. There was no sin that was that needed to be forgiven in, in God's accounting at that point, and the Holy Spirit is not going to be given to someone who's not capable of making that choice. So the answer is no in that regard. Did they do something that was positive? Well, you know, I, I guess I think of those guys a lot in the same context, the way that uh, Paul runs into some disciples in Acts chapter 19, right? And if you recall, these guys, um, he asks them in the beginning of their conversation, he says, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response was, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Right. Um, so Paul answers back. He says, well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. Ah, so Paul explains to them, John baptized, you know, with a baptism of repentance, getting them prepared for he who would come after, that is Jesus. So when Paul meets these guys, he, he doesn't say, you guys really blew it, man. Yeah, man, wow. I don't know what you were thinking. Man, you, John's baptism? Really? I mean, that's, that's old. That's 30 years old. That's not what he does. He doesn't, he doesn't get down on these guys because they didn't know about baptism as it should be. In fact, if anything, these guys need to be commended. I mean, they did what they believed to be the right thing. Okay. At that time that they had that information. What's, how, can we, how can we cast the stones at that? So if you're in that position and you're listening to the podcast, you know, and, and you were immersed, much like we were, uh, we're, not, we're not getting down on you or, or blaming you for that. If anything, I think you're probably to be commended because you did what you thought was right yeah. with the information that was available to you. Right. So good on you. But... <laughs> At the same time, Paul says to those guys in Acts 19, he commanded that they be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they were. So, while I wouldn't hold it against you, now that you have new information, now that you've got a more full, complete picture of what that commitment looks like and what baptism is, well, I don't think there's any reason why, with new information, you should hold to the old stuff. Mark, what about someone listening to this who maybe they were or maybe they weren't immersed early in life, but as parents, they either encouraged their kids to be immersed at young ages or uh, if they didn't encourage their kids, their kids were immersed at young ages because yeah. that's how it was done at their church. Uh, what do we say to that situation? Yeah. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, that could be a mom or dad. That could be uh, that could be a youth minister. Yeah. You know, that could be... Elders. That, yeah. That could run the whole gamut. So if you've been involved in that, I would like to say that there's a really easy way um, for, you to, uh, for you to square that and save face. I cannot think, though, of what it might be. So I think you just have to come straight out with the kids and tell them. Yeah, it's, it's great if, uh, if maybe there's a teachable moment that allows you a comfortable segue into that conversation. You know, so-and-so was getting baptized down the road at nine years old today. If your son or daughter was immersed early and now they're 15, 16, you can have that conversation when somebody else that they know makes a commitment for Christ and ask the question, well, what do you think about them at 9 or 10 years old? Do you think they're ready for that kind of commitment? Do you think they're ready to make adult responsibilities? And at 15, uh, most kids look back at 9 and 10 and they think, man, I was, I was oh, not nearly ready. That's Even a world away. Completely. A world yeah. away. Yeah. 
what about a person a person who themselves was immersed early in life and then their kids have also done that? Yeah. Uh, probably the one of the most probably the most powerful thing that can be done is first for mom or dad to get it right first. It it really is. If that's where you are, there's nothing that's going to speak to your kids louder than setting the right example. Now, don't worry about saving face. Your kids will respect you more if you apologize and tell them, you know what, I was confused about this, than they will if you try and hide behind some kind of you know, this or that or technicality. Don't do that. Just just bite the bullet. And you know, If you've got a teachable moment, great, where you can the kids can learn through that some other experience, fantastic. If you don't, it isn't worth trying to hide behind something or find some reason why it excuses. Just say, you know what? I've been thinking. You know, I listened to this crazy podcast the yeah. other day called Internet Radio. Your kids will respect you if you tell them, I, I blew it. You know, I, I got this wrong. Yeah. And, and tell them, you know, it's not like you meant to do it. This is what you were taught. This is what we believe. You know what? New information has come along. But it's, it's important enough to your kids that you get it right. And it's important enough to you that you get it right. So saving face on our list of priorities just doesn't rank all that high. For those who are listening who might have kids that were immersed early, yeah, that conversation with them, it needs to be framed in the right way. Like, first of all, we can't blame the kid. <laughs> right, right. Right. So we, right. we have to, as parents, we've got to take ownership of this and say, you know what, like you said, new information has come. And I know you were talking about a person making it right themselves with their own early immersion sure. as an example to their kids too. But but in those cases where we've encouraged our kids to be immersed early and they were to step back and say, you know what, this is my bad. Um, some new information right. has come here and here's where we're at now. But you know, we have to take into consideration how that makes the kid feel. I mean, because if somebody is, is 14 now but they were immersed when they were 10. Yep. Um, and they, they spent the last four years being told by everybody and all their friends that they're a Christian. And we've been treating them as if they're Christians. But now all of a sudden we come back to them and say, oh, by the way. So, right. Mark, what does that conversation sound like? You know, I, <clears throat> I think you do just that. I think you say, here's where we were. This is what we did. This is why. You know what? We've been thinking. And in light of these scriptures and these principles, there's some things we need to talk about. Now, is that going to be difficult for the kid? Probably. Yeah. Okay, but this is where mom and dad, you've got to grow up and be mom and dad. This is an adult responsibility that your child is not capable of shouldering, and you have to carry that for them until until they're able to make that choice. So just because, just because we got started off that way does not mean that you can allow them to continue to shoulder this burden. This is something that you have to carry, and it's not right to make you know your son or daughter carry this, the idea, carry this commitment that they really haven't made. This, this burden still belongs on your shoulders. And I would pitch it to the kids just like that. I would say, you know what, honey, son, buddy, however, you know, we placed on you a burden that you were not ready for. And we commend you that, that you were willing to, to take it up. But to be honest and frank with you, that's, an, that's a decision that we cannot hold you responsible for at this point. We love you. We think 
you're the best thing since sliced bread. We, th we think the world of you, we have every confidence that you're going to make good decisions in life. That, you're gonna, that you will become a Christian. We have, we have total confidence that you're going to make the right choices. But for right now, we want you to understand that this is not a choice that we're holding you accountable for. And neither is God. Yep, yep. And, and, and leave it at that. We, it's, we're not looking for a change of behavior. We're not trying to, we're just telling them, you know what, Junior, you're off the hook. As far as we're concerned, you're off the hook as far as God is concerned to that commitment. We still, we still expect the same things of you, but we're not going to make you carry a burden that you are not capable of carrying. And one day when you're ready, yes, we look forward to that day when you do become a Christian. Yes, And that's probably important to say those words yeah. so that it's, it's not ambiguous with the child at all. Thinking, I am already. No, right. we look forward to the day when you do become a Christian. Yep. In the meantime, we're still going to raise the family the same way. We're still going to encourage everybody yep. to act like Christians. Yep. And we're going to hold, the like you said, the same, same responsibility. Except for your name isn't on the dotted line with God. Right. And, and we just now recognized that. Yep. He's known it the whole time. <laughs> right. Right. Okay? But it's important for the kid that they, get that, that they get that sorted out. And it's important for you, Mom and Dad. That is your burden to bear. You, we can't shove that off um, onto the kids. So, Mark, lastly, then some, some parting thoughts for someone who might find themselves in a position to where they were immersed early. We've talked about your experience, my experience, yeah. some reasons why we want to get it taken care of now. What would you say, uh, parting thoughts? If you're listening and, and if that's the, the place where you are, um, like I mentioned, I understand it's not easy to, to arrive at that decision immediately. I understand you may have some things to work through. I also understand there's never a better time to make that decision than now, regardless of what that decision is. Look, if you've decided since that time that, you know, Christianity really isn't for you, that, uh, that, that I'm living a lie and I don't want to live the lie and I'm tired of, of keeping the facade, don't. But own it. You know, make it your own decision. If you're not a Christian and you don't want to be a Christian, then don't. I mean, but be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you that, you know what, that's not for me. That I'm not making that choice. If you've decided you do want to be a Christian, and this has maybe jogged your thinking a little bit or caused to shake things up a little bit in your mind, well, then I praise God for that. And I'd encourage you to handle it sooner rather than later. I mean, sort out what you have to sort out. I mentioned for me, I had to count the cost a little bit. I had to sort out whether or not I really was ready to make that kind of all-in commitment. And I recognized that it was going to be a step up from what I had been doing. So if you're in that space, I get that. I understand that. But make the decision. Don't mess around with, you know, well, I'll, I'll sort it out later or I'll... You know, maybe it'll just come to me one day. Listen, that you're, you're finding excuses not to make the choice. And don't mess around with this. If you're going to be a Christian, do it. Get involved. Get started. Get after it. If that's what you want to do, do it. If it's not, then don't. But make the decision and go get after it. 
And if you have questions on this or you need to, to uh, work through any of these principles or points, we're here. Uh, you can contact us via private message on Facebook. Uh, we're more than happy to help in any way we can yeah. as, you, as you're working through this too. Yeah, and we should mention again, you know, uh, that link to Steve Compton's paper on youth immersion, I think is the best single treatment of the subject in print that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, check out at the top of intermanradio.org. Check the link there, and it'll take you right to that. It's, uh, it's worth reading. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time on Interman, Interman Radio. Radio.